Welcome to the Wealth Studying Podcast. This is episode 271. Today is August 26, 2018. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In today's episode, I want to talk about a particular trading strategy, and I'm just going to simply call it trading with the trend. And this is opposed to simply buy and hold where you dollar cost average in and regardless of what the economic conditions are or regardless of where you think the market is headed, you simply just buy more in every month or every week into your 401k, your dollar cost averaging in. Your goal is to buy and invest over the long run. I'm not saying that strategy doesn't work. It's just not what I've applied over my life. If it's working for you, fantastic. I'm just not a big believer in buy and hold. The other thing that I'm not a big believer in, though, is trading the volatility. And there's a definite distinction between what I'm going to talk about with trading the trend versus trading the volatility. Now, to some degree, you can say they're the same thing because when people trade volatility and volatility in terms of what I'm speaking about, that's over the very short term. These are people like day traders or momentum traders where they're always in and out of a stock. They're holding it for a matter of minutes, hours, maybe a few days. If they can buy a stock in the morning and sell it for 25 more cents sometime during the course of the day, and if they own enough shares of that stock, well, they can make a lot of money. But you have to have high-speed computers. You generally have to use a lot of leverage, which means borrowing more money than you currently have to put into the market to, to get enough to really amplify those trades. And even if you have a super amazing algorithm and you've got a fiber optic line right into the major exchange, and even if you're trading for really minuscule transaction costs, you as an individual, you as just a retail investor listening to this podcast, even if you can put all those things together, a system of all those things together, I still don't think you're going to be able to beat the big boys. These are the big guns on Wall Street. The professional traders, these hedge funds that have billions of dollars, they're essentially co-located on the major exchanges. They pay virtually nothing in transaction fees. These are the people that are generally known as high-frequency traders. They not only have the fastest computers, but they have the most brilliant minds coming out of places like Stanford that are going to write their algorithms. Now, I don't think you can compete against those guys. So is the market rigged against you? Well, it is rigged in that high-frequency trading environment, but I just choose not to participate there. So that's why when some headline comes out or there's a tweet from the White House or a tweet from Elon Musk or Cher Bono or whoever, right? Some supposed celebrity puts out a headline or a tweet and these algorithms immediately either buy or sell based on whatever that headline or that tweet is. I can't compete with that. I don't have the resources, I don't have the capital, I don't have the algorithm. And even if I did, I suspect that there are people out there manipulating the headlines and manufacturing the news to where it's generally a pump and dump anyways. Meaning that they put out a particular headline to get all the sheep and the lemmings to follow that news. And when everybody bets in that direction, they're betting against it and they're taking their profits. So I just don't see a way to win in that market, not over the long term. And I've been doing this for a lot of years, 30 plus years, long before we had all the computers and the things that we have today. I've seen these markets trade and come and go. And as a younger man, I did try and make money, uh, not as a day trader, but trading really short term. And I just couldn't see a way to make it work for these reasons that I've outlined. Someone's always going to have more information, more news, better algorithms, 
faster access, lower commission costs, they're always going to beat you. So do you just throw your hands up in the air and quit and say, oh, the market's rigged against me. I can't make any money in Wall Street. No, no, not at all. I've made plenty of money in Wall Street. But what I've learned to do is not to trade the momentum or the volatility. What I've learned to trade is the trend. And I'm talking the longer trend, the trend that's more near-term or long-term, something that's going to last over a period of weeks, months, maybe even years. Ultimately, I think that's the best place for any retail investor to try and trade. You want to find a trend that's appreciating. You'll often hear me talk about owning appreciating assets. And what I'm going to do in today's episode, rather than specifically talk about how to identify a trend or how to identify value, you know, we've done that many times over the last 200 plus episodes. And I do plan to talk about that in future episodes. But for today specifically, I want to give you one example using one stock and talking about one trend that's been in place for quite a while now, and it's something that I expect to last for another, I don't know, midterm range. Let's call it six months to two year range. Full disclosure, this is a stock that I've owned. It's a stock that I've owned for the last year and a half or so. It's a stock that I plan on holding for a little longer. Again, I don't know, maybe six months to two years. I wanna see how long this trend stays in place, but I'm not planning on selling it anytime soon. Now, for a lot of years, J.P. Morgan and the banking industry overall have not been in an upward trend. In fact, if you look at the banking sector, and in particular J.P. Morgan, uh, the chart I have up in front of me goes back to about uh, the dot-com bubble of, of, say, 1999, more or less. 1999-2000, J.P. Morgan stock had peaked out, I think, early in the year in 2000, and that peak, that top, that record performance was not exceeded or was not beaten for like 13 years. There was a clear ceiling on that stock where it wasn't getting above around, I think it was $40 a share. And so over that 13 to 10 year period, the stock would move up around $40, something would happen in the economy, the price would collapse, it would drop down to around, I don't know, $15, $20, and it would bounce back up, but it was always range bound. And yes, you could have made a lot of money if you had perfect timing and you absolutely bought the bottoms and you sold the tops, right? If you got in on the trough and you sold the peak, you could have consistently doubled your money. But that's a really, really hard thing to do. It gets back to that high-frequency trading. And so the way I trade, it would be best to just not own J.P. Morgan over that 10- or 13-year period because it was range-bound. Yes, there was plenty of volatility there, the stock, the company, and indeed the banking sector were just not breaking out. They were not consistently in an uptrend where the price was increasing. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking to own those blue chip stocks that are in sectors that are appreciating over the long run. You want your stock to be worth more in the future than it is today and not on a random or a volatile basis where, yeah, it may be up next month, but then the following month it's down just as much. No, that's volatility. You're not looking for that. You're looking for consistent growth. And that growth comes in the form of appreciating assets, meaning the price is constantly going up over time. Well, going all the way back to the dot-com bubble for a 13-year period or so, J.P. Morgan was not in that kind of an environment. But eventually the ceiling the cap that had been on that stock, it was broken through. And that old resistance became support. And that occurred early in 2013. 
This was a shift not only with J.P. Morgan, but with the overall banking sector. And from that point on, the trend changed and J.P. Morgan's stock was in an uptrend and I believe has been an uptrend. And so that takes us into a long-term trend which has gone on about five years and which I think has another six months, maybe a couple more years to run. This uptrend I'm talking about over these past five years, that stock is up about 200%. And it's been a consistent upward movement. Now, it doesn't mean that the stock goes up every day and never goes down, but it follows very distinct technical type patterns. And the good news about that occurring is, is that even when you miss the early stages of the trend, it doesn't mean that you've missed it altogether. Now, like I said, over the last five years, this stock is up 200%. But even if you didn't get in in 2013 or 2014 or 2015 for that matter, had you gotten in sometime in 2016, it's likely that you could be up close to 100%, at least in the 90% range. And even if you're stubborn like me and a contrarian and you still waited to get into the stock, well, had you gotten in in around the spring or April of 2017 when I got in, you could still be up close to 40%. And as I look at these technical elements of the chart, I think that this stock can run another 30% or more leg going out here over the next, you know, 6 to 12 months. If you pull up a chart of J.P. Morgan, you'll see that particularly over the last five years, it's had a specific ebb and flow pattern where it'll run up, it'll take a break, right? We call that a consolidation or a staging area. The last time the stock had gone into a, a big staging area was around, oh, I don't know, early in Trump's administration. So the stock had shot up pretty substantially once the November elections were over. I'm talking November of 20, um, 2016. So the stock had shot up, and then by the time Trump actually got sworn into office, uh, things had tapered off, and the stock was consolidating. Consolidated for about an eight-month period. And that's in the range of when I got into this stock because I had looked back to the way it had performed since 2013. I thought that the debanking regulations that were going to be in place uh, by the Trump administration, and, and for that matter, probably even by the Clinton administration, had, had Hillary won. Um, you go back and you look at all the donors that were contributing to the Democrats and specifically to Hillary Clinton in 2016, and all that money coming out of Wall Street and particularly coming out of Wall Street banks, I don't think they were betting on her simply out of the goodness of their hearts. I think they were putting their money on her because they knew that she was going to come in and also lighten up on the banking uh, regulations and industry that the Obama administration had put in. So I think the bank stocks were going to become deregulated one way or the other. Trump's election just accelerated that move and therefore made the potential for future profits even higher now, the reason I didn't jump into this, though, when Trump got elected was because I don't generally follow the headlines. And so everybody would have immediately thought, well, Trump's going to go easier on the banking sector, so let's jump into it. Well, I'm more of a contrarian than that. I generally am someone that's going to buy the rumor and sell the news. And so I looked at the banking sector and I watched it closely for my entry point. I wanted to see it stage some type of a pullback and go into this consolidation staging area, of which it did for, like I say, about eight months. That was the time that I bought into it, and it paid off because by the fall of that year of 2017, J.P. Morgan broke out again. It went on to make an all-time new high, and that trend ran all the way up until the beginning of this year when we had, you know, the correction from, you know, February to May in that range. J.P. Morgan pulled back, 
but not drastically. It has since almost fully recovered. And I look at these past four or five months or so as another staging area where it took time to consolidate and catch its breath. And I'm betting on the fact, and by betting, I mean that I'm staying long in the stock, that it's going to go on and it's going to break out above the $120 level and it's going to head up to $140. I really think ultimately it's going to be up in that $150, $155 or more range. Now, I don't think it's inevitable. I don't think it comes without risk. I'm certainly not telling you or recommending to you to go out and buy this stock, but I'm telling you I own it. I've owned it for about a year and a half. The stock has clearly been in an upward trend. Had you bought in 2013, you'd be up 200%. Had you bought in 2016, you'd be up nearly 100%. Had you even bought just back in early 2017, you'd be up close to 40%. Okay, that's an uptrend. That's a confirmed uptrend. I don't think that's petered out yet. And so these are the things that I'm looking at to invest my money in. I'm trading the trends, not the volatility. I don't care that if from day to day or week to week, JP Morgan stock can go up and down. I'm not going to try and make money on those little bit of movements. Even in some cases, those movements are large. I just pulled up a chart here. Over the last five years, there's been two weeks when JP Morgan's stock has fluctuated more than 12% in a week. And there's probably been, oh, 20 or more incidents where from any given week to week, it could be up or down 5%. But you know what? On average, its volatility is about 2% a week. That's 2% up or 2% down. Think of the tide coming in and going back out. When the tide comes in, the water level goes up. When the tide goes out, the water level goes down. But at the end of the day, the ocean level is not changing. That's how I view this daily and monthly and week-to-week -week volatility in the stock market. JP Morgan, on a weekly basis, on average, is going to be up or down maybe 2% in any given week. That's very similar to the S&P 500. I think you'll drive yourself crazy if you try and trade those volatility ranges. Instead, look for trends that are intact and trends that are likely to be going on for the next couple months or maybe even a couple years. That way, when you're buying those stocks, if there is a little bit of a pullback, if for whatever reason that particular day or that week, the stock drops one, two, three, five percent, you're okay with that because you know that you're in an uptrend. You're trading the trend. You're not trading the short-term volatility. That's how you sleep at night. That's why you don't have to fret over these little short-term movements in the market. Now, am I right or am I wrong? Will J.P. Morgan keep going up over these coming months and weeks? Hey, I have no idea. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future.